Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. talking about prayer and like I said a couple of weeks ago we did a switch we went to uh, lesson five now we're back at lesson four we did that because this one kind of leads us right into communion and so um, it just makes sense to do it today basically that's it there's no super spiritual thing it was literally it leads to communion let's do it the first Sunday that was it Um, but it says this we talk about God and we talk about praying to God and we talk about how um, we, are, we talk to God on different levels, and one of the things that I like and try to remind people all the time, and you've heard me say it many times, that prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. We talk, he talks. It's a conversation back and forth, and what we need to understand as we look at this morning is that God is a multidimensional God. And we see this in so many areas as we read through scripture. And one of the places we first see it is we see it in creation. And in Romans 1.20, it says this, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in what has been made so that men are without excuse. Do you realize just by, like how many people have have non-believing friends or even yourselves just say like, look at the beautiful sunset God created, right? And even like non-Christian friends will just be like, look at this beautiful sunset. Somebody had to paint it. That's not by chance. This isn't just, oh, look how it reflects. It looks beautiful. God is painting the beautiful sunset so that people can look and go, there has to be something more. And this is the whole purpose. So we are, what the scripture says right here, without excuse. We see him everywhere. Job eleven seven nine 9 says this, can you fathom the limits and the bounds of the greatness and the power of God? The sky is no limit for God, but it, tra- lies be- um, but it lies beyond your reach. God knows the world of the dead, but you do not know it. God's greatness is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. He is so large, so unbelievable. We were reading this uh, devotional with our kids, and it's just called Indescribable. Um, I think that's what it's called, Indescribable. I- it's a devotional for kids. Um, <laughs> but it talks a lot about science. And we were talking to the kids last night just about um, how big the sun is that he created. And the way they explained it was if Earth was the size of a golf ball, to make it understand the size of the sun, you could fill a school bus with golf balls. And that's what it would take to cover the sun if it was the size of like a bus. So like that's how, like the size difference is unbelievable. You would have a golf ball compared to an elephant, it says. That's the difference between earth and the sun. And God just spoke this into being. I don't know about you, but that's just, if you don't sit and at least smile and be like, whoa, it's going right over your head. This is the God who talks to you who has conversation with you, who wants to have a relationship with you. 
We see it, we see the multidimensional God, we see it in Jesus' incarnation. In John 1.14, the word became a human being and lived among us. We saw his glory and he was full of grace and truth. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, we don't know anybody else like this. You don't have a friend who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Like how many of you are scrolling Facebook and all of a sudden you see this picture of an older person and you're like, oh, who's that? And you realize it's your classmate from high school. And then you're like, oh, are we all that old? Right? Like none of us are the same yesterday, today, and forever. But Jesus is. He is not bound to space or time. He can do whatever he likes. Revelations 1 4 says, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. That basically sums it all up. Who was, who is, and who is still to come. See, that's what we have to remember too in this lovely journey of life. Jesus is coming back. He is. And a lot of us live life loving Jesus, following his word, but forgetting that he's coming back or not fully understanding it. Because how many times do we hear somebody ask, or even us, we'll read the scriptures to really find out, is this okay to do or not to do? And are you reading the scriptures for righteousness and holiness or permission? Jesus is coming back. It's not about, hey, can I get away with this? It's how close to God can I get? How much, how, how much more righteous can I get? How much more holy can I get? It's seeking to get things out of our lives, not permission to what we're allowed to have in our lives. Does that make sense? Can we turn some house lights on? I can't tell if people are sleeping. <laughs> it's a lot more enjoyable for me if I see at least a couple head nods that don't have eyes closed. Um, sorry, it just helps me as I preach. And you know what? Truthfully, it probably helped me speed up. Um, we see it in how, now everybody's like, hey man, preach it. Get him going. Uh, we see it in how the Holy Spirit moves. John 3, 8 says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. That is the way it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. Born of the Holy Spirit. You ever see, like, see some of those Christians, like, you don't know whether they're coming or going? It's all right. It's actually biblical. Job 9 says this, He does wonders and cannot be understood. He does so many miracles, they cannot be counted. When he passes me, I can't see him. And when he goes by, I don't recognize him. The Holy Spirit moves wherever he wants and does the things that he wants to do. And, and the problem I find with Christianity and myself personally is we try to fit Holy Spirit into a box. And we try to say, if Holy Spirit is moving, it will look like this. But I don't anticipate when the disciples were waiting in the upper room for the counselor to come. I don't believe they were expecting what happened. 
I don't any one of them sat down and was like, so, Peter, what do you think it's going to look like? I think we're going to have like tongues of fire on our head, and people are going to think we're drunk. <laughs> I don't think that, like, right? Like, I don't think Peter and the disciples were like, this is what it's going to look like. I've had a fresh revelation from the Lord, and the wind is going to sound so loud, it's going to attract everybody in Jerusalem. John, you're going to be stumbling all over yourself. It's going to look like you're wasted. And uh, Andrew your head's going to be like just going crazy with fire on top of it. Like, this didn't happen. So when it moved, it took, I think it even took the disciples. When Peter got up and shared what was happening, I don't think he just like, everything happened. He was like, I know what this is. I think he had to take a step back for a minute and go, what is this? Jesus, is this what you promised us? Is this the Holy Spirit power? Okay, I'll explain it. And then he explained. It's okay when the spirit moves sometimes for us to have to go, God, is this you? Okay. Just because, see, God's more interested in us becoming empowered and righteous and holy than he actually is with our comfort zone. He cares more whether you become more holy and righteous and closer to him and with his power than he is with your comfort zone. He will stretch your comfort zone. Think about just your walk with God now. What you thought was not God to what has opened your eyes to how he operates and what makes us think that there's a whole pile of more that we don't understand. God will move the way he wants to move. Number two is because Jesus is multidimensional, we're never alone. We're never alone. Psalms 139 says this, where I go, where could I go to escape from you? Where could I ever get away from your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I lay down in the world of the dead, you would be there. If I flew away beyond the east to, and lived in the farthest place in the west, you would be there to lead me. You would be there to help me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, but even darkness is not dark for you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You know what this means? This means don't ever play hide and seek against Jesus. <laughs> no matter where you go, he's with you. No matter what's happening, we talked about it this morning. No matter what is happening, no matter how dark it feels, he's right there. And he's holding your hand. And he's wanting to lead you. So since God is a multidimensional God and everywhere, we can talk to him about every dimension of your life. There's not an area of your life that you cannot share with God. You may be like, well, Chad, there's, I have some things in my past I don't know what to deal with. I, I even, you know, kind of have these hidden sins that nobody in my family even knows about. I have these thoughts that nobody will understand. Jesus already sees all the things that we do, and he knows our thoughts. So there's nothing that you are already hiding from him so you can share it all with him. And there is a piece of my life about that. I remember the time when, um, and I, I know I've joked about it a lot, but I remember the time, the season of my life when Pastor Melissa and I, uh, when she, well, I'll say it truthfully, she dumped me. Um, and 
during our engagement, and, and for those that are brand new, yes, it's a good story. But um, in that journey, I remember when a mentor looked at me and said, Chad, you're not hiding anything from Jesus. He already knows your heart and your thoughts. Be open and honest with him. And that was so just refreshing for me. It was like it was like weight fell off of me that I could just share my heart with him. And I prayed to God and I learned to talk to him in a way that I never did before because it was just honest. It was honest. It was looking at God and telling him this sucks. It was looking at God and telling him that it's not fair. It was looking at God and telling him, if I'm wrong in what I felt you told me, then this and this and this and this and this, I'm wrong as well. And therefore, I'm not lost in this, I'm lost in everything. It's having open conversations with him and saying, God, this, this is ripping my heart out. I said to some things to God that I regret. I, say, I said some things to him that I had to um, apologize for, that I had to ask for forgiveness for, just like I do with people. And it taught me that my conversation and my relationship with God is just the same as my relationship with you guys. If I haven't said something to you that I shouldn't have, it probably will happen. It's just coming, just wait. I spoke at a men's breakfast yesterday, and you know me, I like to joke and interact, and I joked with this one person, and, and the pastor was sitting behind and quickly was like, <laughs> and I realized, I'm like, oh, I really put my foot in my mouth. And so I backtracked, and I apologized, and it just kind of made everybody else laugh in the room, except for me. Um, <laughs> but this is how life goes. We share our hearts. Share your heart with God. If you're in a tough time, tell them. He already knows your thoughts. So if you're ticked, tell him. If you're sad, tell him. If you're happy, please tell him. Nothing more important than for a parent to know their kids are happy. And so if you're happy, if you're in a good place in your life, don't forget to either say to Jesus, Jesus, thank you. Life's good. If life stinks right now, tell your dad. Jesus, Daddy, Abba, this stinks. And let him hold you. So when we think about this, that we can talk to him about anything, I want to talk to you about just a way to pray, and especially on a day like today with communion, the dimensions of prayer. And so first, let's talk about looking back to the cross. Looking back to the cross it's a good place to start because I don't know about you, but when I see the cross and when I think of forgiveness and when I think about the forgiveness that God has put in my life, it brings gratitude. It brings appreciation. Because I don't know all of your stories and I've shared some of mine, but I promise I will never share all the details of mine. I just can't. But the fact that he loves me, there's just a gratitude. There's an appreciation for my father. There's appreciation for a God who looks and says, yeah, Chad, I, I don't see that. I see the man of God I've called you to be. I see, I don't even see, Chad, what you see. I see who you are years down the road. That's who I see, Chad. 
and he speaks life and he believes in me. The cross reminds me of how deeply God loves me. It also reminds me of this. It reminds me of how costly evil is in our lives and the sin in my life, what it costs. I remember the night that I recommitted my life to the Lord. It was the May long weekend, the Saturday night of, of 2002. And I could probably take you to uh, Queen's University and show you on their arena floor roughly where I was knelt. And it was a youth convention, like Overflow, but in eastern Ontario. And, and I remember sobbing so hard, and I remember the image that God showed me, a vision that he put in my head, and he just, it was like a movie, literally watching a movie of the pain that I cost him. It wasn't guilt. It was a revelation of the freedom that's in my life. I was sobbing so hard that my two best friends who stood in my wedding, they went and got the youth director and brought him over because they thought I was demon-possessed. That's how much I was sobbing and convulsing. And if you've never seen what demon-possessed looks like, you probably don't want to. It's not fun, but it kind of looks like that. Probably less snot, though. Um, and so, sorry, that didn't, that didn't filter out. I apologize. Um, but we look back, and it reminds us, on Communion Sunday, you should take a moment, not to feel guilty about your past, but to look back just to go, man, God has forgiven me. He is such a gracious God. Some of us, we might have to look farther back, but if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us probably just have to look to yesterday for just a little bit. Might not be a major thing, but probably something small. And some of us, we just have to remember the gratitude that we have towards him. And the last one is just, it reminds me about how completely forgiven I am. This is what I love. When I share my testimony, there's parts that I won't share, but all of those parts are completely forgiven. That's what I find amazing. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that I can still be an idiot and I can still mess up. And it's so refreshing to me that my God still loves and still forgives. He didn't just do it once and then, Chad, if you mess up, you're out. It's constant, constant. You ever look at your kid or your spouse and be like, this happens every day. I don't know how often I can put up with this. Jesus doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us and goes, this happens almost every day. I still love Chad. A little thick-headed, but love him. That's how he loves us. He just completely loves us. First Peter says this in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 18. God paid a ransom to save you and me from the empty life. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He gave up his son for us. If we stop and think about all the sins in our past, the great thing is it's in the past. The other thing is, is so is the cross. The cross is in the past. And Jesus paid for tomorrow's sins already. Do you know how refreshing that is? That's not a hall pass. That's not permission. That's gratitude that even he, like I said, he knows me so well that he can look down and go, okay, Chad, he's kind of sorted that out. He's still working on that. 
But I know he's about to do this because he's still not fully like Christ. And I won't be until I see Christ. And he just has that grace over our lives. He's such a loving God. The other thing that we do is now we look upward. We look upward to the Father's loving face. His loving face. I don't know if you've ever done this, but, and this might make me feel, might make you think I'm weird, but you probably already think that. It's all right. Um, but while you're worshiping and you feel God's presence in the room, I do this every once in a while. I'll actually just be worshiping and I'll turn, I'll look up and I'm not checking for cobwebs. I'm not checking anything else, but I look up and there are moments where I feel my face get warm. And it's because I'm just envisioning the Father smiling down at me. And if you've never experienced a Father's love like that, and I mean earthly or spiritual, begin to pray and ask God. Because I believe that as, as the Heavenly Father spoke over Jesus as he came up out of the water from his baptism and said, this is my son who I am well pleased. There are too many men in this room, and ladies, but definitely I know men. There's too many men in this room that never heard from their earthly father, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And can I just tell every man in this room for a moment, and I'm not trying to make it weird for you, but I know dads aren't usually the most emotionally connected human beings on the planet. Um, But if you can just kind of look at me for a minute, and I'm not trying to make it weird, but I just feel like the presence of God just wants me to say this, and I want you to hear it as if it's your heavenly father, but for some of you, you might need to hear it even as from your earthly father. And so I'm trying to get you, I know it seems weird, but just try to make eye contact with me and just look at me. And I want you to hear that you, this is the Heavenly Father speaking to you. This is my son, who I am well pleased. This is my son, who I am well pleased. And so men, even today, if you just walk out of here with that, I'd be thrilled. Because I remember the moment in my life when I heard that from my Heavenly Father. This is my son who I am well pleased. And it just helps clear the air. And if you can hear that, receive it. So Father, I pray for every man in this room. And Lord, the ladies who joined in on that, that needed it. That Father, today, people have heard their heavenly Father, and for some even maybe visually saw their earthly Father, as rare as as stretching as that may seem, say, this is my son, this is my daughter, who I am well pleased that that is received this morning and they leave here changed because of it in Jesus name amen so we look up to the father we focus on the fact that God wants us to see him as father see when Jesus said taught us how to pray he said our father our father and this will make one little change if you don't pray this way already this week change the way you pray And begin by saying, Father. See, you can actually understand somebody's, like you can, you could hear somebody's understanding who God is in their life by the way they pray. By the way they pray. Because the way they start off their prayer, are they saying Father? Are they saying Lord? Are they saying different things? Like, we're not trying to convince a loan officer to give us a loan. 
We're not trying to convince um, a surgeon to do a surgery. We're not trying to convince, um, you know, we're not trying to convince the police that we're innocent. We're not trying to approach somebody like this. We're talking to Jesus. And it's interesting as people learn and as they grow and as they understand who Jesus Christ is, the way we speak to him will change. Romans 8, 15 says this, You should not act like cowering, fearful slaves, since God's Spirit was adopt, has adopted you as children into God's family. Instead, by His Spirit, we simply cry, Abba, Father. And God's Spirit affirms that we really are His children. And since we are now God's children, we're also heirs with Christ and will share in both His suffering and His glory. Memorize that verse. Memorize that verse that by his spirit we simply cry out and his spirit affirms that we're his children. When my kids pray, um, Miles, he'll pray, he'll pray Jesus, he'll pray Father, he'll pray different things. Emma's still at the age that we're working with her for this understanding and she starts off each of her prayers at the moment, dear Jesus, like writing a letter. And I understand age and, and stuff like that. And so we're just working on with her to realize, because I understand that every time I tell them to call um, their Heavenly Father, just say, Daddy, Father. When they do it, they're usually laughing because I'm sitting right there. And so they, they have a hard time associating the two. And so we're just working on it. But you will see even in your own faith, when you begin your prayers as Father, if you pray right now, Father, good, I challenge you this week, call him daddy. If you call him Lord, that's good. Try father. I just want to stretch all of you. If you're like, it feels weird calling him daddy. That's okay, call him daddy. If you already call him daddy, call him papa. I don't know, try something different. But try something different just to engage with him on a different level. Because see, God wants my prayers to be personal. He wants your prayers to be personal. He wants you to say, Daddy. He wants you to reference him. It's like, think of when you hear Daddy. You think of more of a younger child. As we get older, a lot of times we change it from Daddy to Dad, and then sometimes to Pop or something like that. But when you think of Daddy, you think of a little kid just running towards his Daddy or her Daddy. There's something about uh, when Emma just cries out, Daddy! It's like, wrap around my finger. What do you need? What do you want? It's yours. <laughs> and I'm not saying call God daddy for that purpose. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it, it gets our attention quickly. He also wants our prayers to be passionate. Cry out to him. Cry out and just, Lord God, it doesn't have to be quiet. It doesn't have to be loud. It just has to be your heart. Share your heart with him. There's nothing I enjoy more with my kids than when they share their heart with me. And this is our Heavenly Father. He wants us to share our hearts. He wants a partnership. He wants it to be by his Spirit. Include the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Speak to the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I try every day in my prayer life to speak to the Father, to speak to Jesus, and speak the Holy Spirit. And I've really tried shifting my language to not to call 
uh, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I know it seems so simple, but just dropping the and just Holy Spirit, because I don't call you the Mike. I don't call you the Gary or the Kathy. I call, right? Like, if you think about it that way, name is Holy Spirit. And so refer to him as Holy Spirit and speak to him personally. Romans 8.26 says, Also the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We often do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself speaks to God for us, even begs God on our behalf with deep groanings and feelings that words cannot express. This is where, if you have a heavenly language and you can pray in tongues, this is where it helps. Just begin to pray in tongues and allow the Holy Spirit to speak for you, to pray for you. And in those moments where you're not sure what to pray and you're literally just crying or groaning, trust that the Holy Spirit knows your heart and is interceding for you. The third thing we do is we look inward to Jesus living inside of me. Remember, Jesus isn't just in heaven. Holy Spirit is in us. He's as close to you. Remember that God is the Trinity. So, so shockingly, remember that once you're saved, the Trinity lives in you. Part of the Trinity is inside of you. I don't know about you. This still, I, you won't ever hear me stop. This still amazes me that this lives inside of me. You might want to write it down. All three in me. All three in me. And you can put it in your car, put it on your mirror, and realize all three in me. Make it personal that he lives inside of you. First, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourself to see if your faith is real and growing. Test yourself. Remember that Jesus is living in you unless you failed your test. Do you think it matters if you fail your test? Do you think it matters? Do you think Jesus still lives in you? He loves you and resides in you. Nobody can get better unless they face themselves. Nobody can get better unless you face yourself. The fact is this, I can't get better until I face what needs to change in my life. When God says, here are the things that need to change, you need to change them. You need to open your heart and receive from him the power to change what's in your heart and what's in your life. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, if you try to hide your sins, you will never succeed. But if you humbly confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. If you humbly, humbly confess your sins. When was the last time that you confessed your sins to somebody, not to Jesus, not in prayer, to somebody. I understand it makes it awkward, right? We can just talk to Jesus. But there is something about confessing our sins to somebody else that automatically holds us accountable. And I don't know about you, but yes, we hold ourselves accountable to God, 
But there is something about accountability to somebody else that for me personally raises it to another level. And here's why. I don't literally see Jesus face to face. If I have to look you in the face. So if I confess a sin to one of you and now I have to see you again. And if you're truly in a safe relationship, there's accountability. And somebody, if you confess a sin, you're not confessing it to anybody and everybody. But you're finding somebody that you trust, and you trust them because you also know they are going to ask you how it's going. And I have many friends in my life in ministry that will ask me, hey, Chad, how's it going? I'll be like, great, life's good. And then they'll go, oh, that's great. So, Chad, how's it going? And they hold me accountable. And they keep me in track. And they help keep me in the road. Guardrails and accountability in our life just help keep us on track. See, here's the nice part about God. He already knows what we need to work on. But when we start being honest to God, it brings us into an intimacy with him. How many people, see here, I want to ask you to raise your hand. But many of us in our relationships, we want a deeper intimacy. But the only way we get a deeper intimacy is with honesty. That's the way it comes together. If you want a deeper intimacy, you need a deeper honesty. You have to be willing to open up. And even this is with God. We have to open up our lives, even what we classify as those secret areas. Like, if you live your life like, our, like we do, especially if you happen to have like, kids around, like if you came to our house, we would show you a tour of it except for two rooms, which is usually our bedroom and what we call the office, which normally means throw everything in there, company's coming over. But most of us have a room like that. And if you don't, God bless you. <laughs> but many of us, like, we all also, most of us have in our kitchens probably, or somewhere in your house, a junk drawer. And as much as you might organize it one day, it's like the next day a bomb went off. And so we all have these areas, but we also have these areas with God. And every one of us have these areas and now some of us, we might not no longer with God have a room. We're down to a closet. But God still wants in the closet. He still wants in the closet. He doesn't care if it's a walk-in closet or a broom closet. I don't, he doesn't care what size it is. He just wants in. And he's going to love you as you walk through it. And so I want you to realize to have a deeper intimacy with God, you need to have more honesty. And so I want you to write it down this way. This is how you spell intimacy. In to me see into me see if you want intimacy allow the person that you want intimacy with to into me see allow them to see into who you are it's trusting it's hard but the more they understand who you are the deeper the intimacy will be So, so far we're looking backwards to the cross, upward to the Father's face, and we're looking inward to Jesus. And so number four, we're looking around and ask the Holy Spirit to use me. Instead of criticizing, complaining, judging, whining, blogging, or offer yourself as a solution, use me. Use me. 
Lord, use me. Romans 6.13 says, And give yourself completely to God, every part of you, since you've been given a new life and you want to be used as a tool in the hands of God, used for his good purposes. Do you know how many times in my life people would say, Chad, you're just a tool? And now I declare, yes, I am. They just didn't realize they were speaking prophetically over my life. <laughs> Never can you brag so loudly about being a tool. I went to school with a girl. Her last name was Tool. I won't even tell you the insults that she got. Her f- nickname was Ima. <laughs> I know, it's me. It was Bible college of all places. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. They'll be like, Ima, why do you call her Ima? Her last name's Tool. (laughs) I have grown so much in my walk with the Lord. I promise you, I don't do that anymore. But it did help when we named our kids. It was, how could I make fun of this kid? That's why Miles' first name is spelled with a Y, not an I. I took away the kilometers joke. Even though many of you still call him kilometers. It's all right. I think his nickname on the video game was kilometers. I don't know. He's kind of just adopted it and owned it. Um, so off track. All right. Let's try to use me. Use me. That's right. It was tool. That's what sent me off. I, sorry, squirrel. Um, I honestly can't get my train of thought here. There we go. All right. The world is actually waiting for you to be involved, to be a part of it. The house of the Lord. God never called you to come and be a spectator. He actually wants you on the playing field. He wants you on the platform. He wants you a part of life. Uh, he wants you as like, he wants you to just be a part of it. I don't know about you, but when I go to watch the Blue Jays, as sad as it might be this year, when I go to watch them, um, Miles, we sat, we got from free tickets, and we were sitting so close that I just kind of leaned him over so he could feel the fake grass, and he was like, that's amazing. Do you think they'll let me run on it? I'm like, not without being arrested. Um, But he wanted to get out on the field. God wants you on the field. He doesn't want you just sitting in the stands. If you ever thought, well, I just don't know if I could play like that, it doesn't matter. God wants you on the field. And he has different positions for everybody to be part of. He just needs us on the field. And the last one, number five, says, look forward to my future in faith. Look forward to the faith that we have in God. We desire to be closer to him. And when we talk about the Father in the day ahead of us, we should be asking the Father this. Lord, Dad, what do you need me to do tomorrow? What should, be, what should I prioritize on my list? What decisions should I make? What, who should I contact and who could I help out? What should I say at that meeting? What should I not say? Many of us, were looking for life coaches. We're looking for people to help us. One of the best life coaches you can have is the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong, life coaches, counselors, all of it is good, it's healthy, they've helped me in my life. There's people called uh, spiritual directors, they are all good, but one of the best things you can have is the Holy Spirit 
in the Bible to read and to spend time with and to ask him what he wants you to do. But ultimately, as God's child, our Father guarantees, and Gary, this goes along exactly what you said, our Father guarantees that we win, no matter what. At the end of it, you can flip to the back of the book. You can cheat. Read the end. We win. We win. So now just another way to freshen up our prayer life this week. I want you to remember to look back, to look up, to look in, to look around, and to look ahead. And to see and ask the Father. And so we're going to do this this morning as we turn to the communion table. So if I can get those that are serving to come. And we're going to take communion, but as we take communion, I want you to reflect through what we just talked about. I want you to take a moment as they're coming forward. I want you to think back. I want you to think back of all the forgiveness God has given you, how much he loves you. And I want you to think, I want you to look up. I want you to feel the Father's love this morning. I want you to feel his love and his presence in your life. And I want you to look inward. I want you to just have the Holy Spirit just warm you and speak to you and sense his presence in you. And as we're going through the communion, as we're walking through it, I want to even challenge you a little bit as you're reflecting on what he's done for you. I want you to ask the question this morning. Holy Spirit, use me. Where do you want to use me, Holy Spirit? Where would you like to use me? Where do you want to place me? And then at the end, I want us to just pray and we're going to talk about looking forward into what God has for us. And so if you want to pass the elements out, worship team is going to begin to play. And so as they're passing them out, just reflect. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son to die for us. And Lord, as we are in this journey, just learning more about prayer, I, it is our desire this morning that multiple times throughout our day, throughout our week, that it's not just the first Sunday of the month that we reflect back. But Lord, help us to reflect back to the cross and the forgiveness that you've given us and help us, Lord, to look up to you, to see your face looking down and remind ourselves that our Abba Father loves us. And looking inward that, Jesus, you live in us, that Holy Spirit, you speak to us and empower us. And I pray, Father, that every one of us continues on a regular basis to look around and just to ask, Holy Spirit, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? And then we look to the future. Father, the words this morning were that some of us need a reminder that we win. And so Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you just begin to speak to people's future right now. And you begin to declare hope and a future. We give you praise for all that you've done and all that you're going to do, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever.
you are, who was, who is, and who is to come. And we, Lord, we desire your coming back. We wait with great anticipation. But Father, as we wait, use us for your glory. So Father, protect us as we go this morning. Guide us and lead us and let us be that light. Let us shine brightly for you. Show us daily what you need us to do for you, Jesus. And let us feel you, Father, speaking to us and loving on us in Jesus' name. Let us be a light for you in our workplace. Let us be a light for you in our community. And Lord, guide us and speak to us and give wisdom this week to each individual in this room. And so, Father, let us be your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.